Well, good morning, Hope City. How we doing? Loved, loved that last song we sang. I know we did it two weeks ago, but just love that. And uh, love that we get to be here together. I told some of our team this morning, I said, you know, it's week three here in the new building, and it's starting to feel a little bit normal. I don't know if you feel that way, uh, but it's starting to feel that way for me. And I'll tell you what's definitely starting to be normal is that we are out of space. And, uh, and that's a great problem to have. I love that. We knew when we were moving into the building, we wanted to spend a few weeks, regardless of the inconveniences or the capacity, we wanted to spend a few weeks just being together, one church, one service, one family, and we have done that. Uh, we weren't exactly sure how long we would do that, but we knew after the first week it wouldn't be very long. And so they already talked about it at the beginning of the first service, or beginning of the first, there you go, beginning of this service. Uh, but starting next week, March the 5th, we will be going to two services, two services. And those service times are 9.30 and 11.30. And uh, it's going to kind of reset uh, what we're doing here. It's going to give us space specifically in, in three areas. Number one, in our parking lot. Love our parking lot team, but uh, there's only so much you can do when you run out of spots, and they're doing an amazing job. It's going to really help us in our kids' area. Um, uh, my daughter, Nora, serves on our Hope team, our Hope squad, the fifth graders who serve. And she got in the car last week, and she was like, Dad, Dad, just exhausted, you know. Dad, we had like 20 preschoolers, you know. And I was like, that's awesome. She's like, no, it was so much. Uh, but so that's really going to help us back there. And then the third thing is it's going to allow you the opportunity to uh, have the space to invite and to bring some people with you. Um, there is an excitement that comes from a full room, and that's awesome. But there's also this feeling like there's not space for me in a full room. I took my, my kids to the movies yesterday, and uh, it's always that, that moment when they turn the screen around and say, select your seats, and like the whole thing is red, you know, red X's, and you got to find seats. And, and so we are well beyond the ability here for people to have a little bit of space with the people that they come with to sit together. And so we know starting next week there will be more space. And so what we're asking you to do is to bring someone with you. Uh, bring people that you know have been a part of this church before but need to come back or bring neighbors or friends or family members we're creating space for them. And that's what it's really all about for us is that we are taking the time over the next several months. Uh, we've done, so many of you have helped, and we've done so many kind of little, uh, little um, changes to help us move in right away. But then hopefully this fall, we will begin a major transformation to this building. And what we have been telling our contractor and the architects, what we've been telling them is, we would like to have 500 seats in here. This is about 300. We'd like to have 500 seats, and we want to fill that up at least twice. And we believe that God is going to, to you know, fill the space that we give him to fill. He's done that for the last 15 years, and we believe he's going to keep doing that. So all that to say, next week, 930 and 1130. Everybody say 930. Everybody say 1130. 930 and 1130. 30, um, and, you know, if you've been around here long at all, you know, write that down in pencil. Because we may change it in a couple weeks. We don't know. We'll just see what works. And uh, we just always want to do what is best, okay? The other thing I want you to know is that so many of you, so, and I mean so, many of you have shown up here in the last uh, several weeks 
and you love this church, you love the services, you love the people that you are meeting, uh, but you are wanting to get more connected. Like, hey, how do I get more connected? And we love that that is your heart. We want to try to help you do that. And so in March, we are starting uh, back, we've done it before, but we're starting back with something called Hope U. Hope U, Hope University. And it is the opportunity, it is the the way that you go from being an attender at our church to being family member, being part of our church family, being a member of this church. And each week is a different class. Starting on March 5th, there is uh, 101, which is just following Jesus. I teach 101. It'll be happening after service next week. Uh, I teach that class. And this is the class where you find out about the, the foundational beliefs of Christianity and the foundational beliefs of Hope City Church. And so this is where you find out, uh, you know, why we do what we do and how we do it and what the Bible says about it and why Christians do the things that they do. And uh, this is not just for someone who's a new believer. Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years or 50 minutes, I think everybody needs to know what it is that you are becoming a part of. And so that's 101. I teach that. You can RSVP for that on the church app. 201 then is uh, what you would traditionally consider a membership class. It's just joining the church, becoming a part of the church family. 301 then is the opportunity to make a difference, to use the gifts that God has given you. This is where you'll receive all the information and the training that you need in order to be a part of a team, one of our hope teams here at the church. And then the last 401 is a little bit specialized. It is for anyone who's interested in leading a small group here. Our small groups director, Jesse, will teach that for anyone who's interested. And I would just encourage anybody here who would be uh, remotely interested in that. We'd love to help resource you and give you the tools so you can lead a group because I believe God would want to use you in that way. All right, so we have four classes. You do not have to take them in order. Uh, maybe you have something next week, but not the next week. And so you can jump in, but we want you to be a part of this. And it starts next week, and this will keep going. The first Sunday of the month is 101. The second Sunday of the month is 201. The third Sunday of the month is 301. The fourth Sunday of the month is 401. Are you following me? It's so simple. You, everybody can get it, all right? And we'll start that in March. And so if you'd like to come to 101 and be in that class with me, that's happening next Sunday after the 1130 service. And you can do that on the app, okay? So I want to just kind of do a little bit of housekeeping there, talk to you a little bit about the important stuff that's happening at the church um, before we started the message. But last week, we, we started a series called The Jesus Way. The Jesus Way. And this series is going to lead us all the way to Easter, and we're taking seven weeks to look at specific stories of things that were important to Jesus. And the reason we're doing this is really simple. We want to be more like Jesus. If it was important to Jesus, we want it to be important to us. If it's the way Jesus would do it, it's the way we want to do it. And so last week, we started this whole conversation of the Jesus way, talking about confronting religion that if we want to be more like Jesus, we have to be willing to confront religion because religious people were the only people that Jesus was ever confrontational with. As you read the Gospels, you see that he was only ever confrontational with religious people. And so if we want to be like Jesus, we have to be willing to confront religion. But we also learned that if we're going to confront religion, we're going to have to start with the person in the mirror. It's not those religious people. It's us religious people. All of us are tempted to make 
Christianity about something else other than what Jesus did on the cross. And so that was Confronting Religion. And this week, we're looking at the second story in the Jesus way. And the topic this week is bless the children. Bless the children. I think it's really easy in all of the stories and things that we know about Jesus to forget that Jesus really loved children. And I, I'm old enough that when I was in church, we used to sing a song about it. Jesus loves the little children. Anybody? All the children of the world. Some of you are like, what is going on? Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Yeah, a lot of y'all know that. It's true. And when we were thinking and praying about this series, picking seven things that are important to Jesus, and we said last week, there are more things important to Jesus than seven things, but we're only using seven weeks. But as we were thinking about what are the seven things that were important to Jesus that need to be important to us, we, we thought it was very important to remind us that children are important to Jesus. And when you think about all the things that Jesus didn't talk about, and there's a lot. When you think about all of the points that Jesus didn't make, and there's a lot. And when you think about all of the things that the gospel writers could have written about, but they did not write about, it puts a special emphasis on the fact that in two different accounts, here in Matthew, we see Jesus going out of his way to make a point about children. He loved children. He wanted to bless children. And not only that, but he wanted adults to learn from children. The Bible is, is a book about generations. I don't know if you've ever tried to read it from cover to cover, I would encourage you to try to do that sometime. It's a great challenge and good for your faith. But if you've ever tried to read it from cover to cover or maybe in chronological order, here's what you learn pretty quickly. The entire book is about a family. It's about a promise that God made to a man named Abraham. There was a song about that as a kid too. We're not going to sing that. And, and it, was a, it was about a man named Abraham and then his kids and then his kids and then his kids and then his kids and so on and so forth. So much so that when the book of Matthew begins and we're going to be introduced to Jesus, God the human, it starts with a genealogy because the Bible cares about generations. God brings the Hebrew people, the Israelites out, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. He brings the people out. And several times you see God say to Moses and Moses to tell the people, I'm doing this for you. And when your children ask, be sure to tell them. When your children ask, why do we sacrifice this way? When your children ask, what are these stones for? When your children ask, be sure to tell them. Why do we take a Sabbath? Be sure to tell them. It was important to God that his people knew that I'm not just doing this for you. I'm doing this for your children. I'm doing it for their children. And so... As Christians and as a church, we got to be about generations. We've got to be and have a heart and love and want to bless children. So in our scriptures today, we read two different stories that happen pretty close to each other. Not the same story, 
but, but pretty close to each other. And in the first story, the disciples are annoyed that the parents are bringing their kids to Jesus. But then Jesus rebukes the disciples and he blesses the children. That was the first story. And then in the second story, we read that the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. And Jesus uses an example of a child to correct them. So in both of these stories, we see a contrast between the hand-picked disciples of Jesus. These are the guys who are going to lead and build the church. They were hand-picked by Jesus. We see this contrast between the hand-picked disciples of Jesus and children. And in both cases, the disciples were in the wrong. And in essence, Jesus says, I want you to be more like the kids. And we kind of snicker when I say that, but I, won't, I don't want us to rush past that little, that principle, that point, that in both instances, Jesus, looking at his hand-picked disciples, I don't know if Jesus eye-rolled, but you would have to imagine this would be one of those moments. He looks at his hand-picked disciples and is like, could you not be more like them? I, I want you to be more like kids. Be, be more like children. And it's important to point out that Jesus didn't say be more childish. That's not the point of the message today is that you need to leave here and be more childish. If Jesus was saying be more childish, there are some really great Christians in here. That's not what Jesus was saying. He was saying you need to be more childlike. Be more childlike. And he doesn't give us any details, but I wish he did. I wish Jesus would have said, and here's what I mean by that. I want you to be more like children in these three ways and then tell us specifically what are the three ways that he, he meant it. But he didn't. He didn't. He just kind of leaves it out there for us. Be more childlike. But that doesn't mean we can't take a few guesses. We can take a few guesses. And I thought a lot about this this week. What are some of the childlike characteristics that I lose along the way in adulthood that would, would probably help me in my faith and in my relationship with Jesus Christ? What are some of the childlike qualities that Jesus would want me to recapture? And again, Jesus doesn't tell us, this is just me, this is my guesses. I just wrote down a quick list of, of a few things. Kids don't take themselves too seriously. That probably would be helpful. Kids have an imagination. I mean, my, my son Solomon can tell you some of the craziest scenarios that he has envisioned. And they're awesome. Because he has an imagination. Kids ask a lot of questions. Right? Maybe that would be helpful. I, I thought about this. You know, kids never need a reason to dance. It's just a good time to dance. It's just a good time. That'd probably be helpful in our faith. Kids aren't afraid to make messes. Kids love to laugh. Kids have short memories. Kids believe in crazy things. And this is just a list I put together, and I'm sure there's more. And I'm not saying that this was the point that Jesus was trying to make because I can't be sure of that. I, I'm not saying today that Jesus was saying make more messes and dance more and have a short memory. I, don't, I, I, I can't say that. 
But I do think the older that we get, the easier it is to lose childlike faith and joy and imagination. And I think many of us, me included, would probably find ourselves in a lot of situations where we think we're kind of doing what Jesus wants us to do and protecting Jesus and kind of organizing for Jesus. And all the while, we have, we've left behind those qualities and characteristics that, that God would want us to have in our faith. And I think it would be a good idea the next few days if we began each day with a simple prayer, God, help me to have more childlike faith. I think if all of us just decided to start the next few days, the next few mornings, God, I got responsibilities, I got, you know, I got things I got to do and, and people I got to be with and the people who are counting on me and all those things. But God, will you help me to have more childlike faith? I think that would probably be beneficial. But what I want to do for the time that, that we have left today is I really just want to focus on two things from our story, two ideas from our story. I'll go ahead and give them to you. I think in, in this story, we could take away two things. Number one is that if we want to be more like Jesus, we've got to make room for children. We've got to make room for children. And then number two, I, I think we could take away that if we want to be more like Jesus, we've got to protect children. We've got to make room for children, and we've got to protect children. And this is definitely true personally in all of our lives. But what I want to do for the, the, these moments that we have here in this message is I would kind of like to talk about it as a church. What would it look like for Hope City Church to be more like Jesus, specifically by making room for children and by protecting children? So let's talk about both of those. First, let's talk about making room for children. If I'm being honest, I can really relate to the disciples in this story. It is so easy to scold kids, isn't it? Come on, parents. I, I'm not the only one. Like you find yourself yelling at your kids and you're not even really sure why your voice is raised. What? 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 And they're like, I just need, I couldn't reach that thing on the shelf right there. And like, oh, my bad, my bad. Okay. But like you, you have these kids and you love them and they're a gift from God, but it's so easy like to just kind of scold them or get onto them or be annoyed by them. You don't mean to. This is kind of what the disciples are doing. And this is so easy for churches to do too. But if we're not careful, we can just assume that if we like it, our kids like it. You know? Or we can assume that, you know, kids will just kind of go with the flow make do, find them a room over there, find them a babysitter, put them in there while we have church. And I think one of the greatest uh, indicators of whether or not there is a life-giving spirit of God and Jesus in a church is how many kids are running through the hallways and the lobby and causing problems When Katie joined the staff five plus years ago, she joined as our, as our children's pastor and then also eventually took over the student ministry. And when she was taking over the student ministry, I, I gave her this instruction because I was a student pastor for a while. And then as a pastor, I, I said to this, I said, if you're not breaking something, you're not doing your job. 
If you're going to be the youth pastor, I expect you to come in here every now and then and be like, I got some bad news. We were playing this game we made up where they take the ball and they throw it 14 directions and a kid runs into a wall and now there's a hole in the drywall and I just want you to know I'm sorry. That's youth ministry. That, that's, that's reaching kids. That's reaching students. Hey, sorry, we dropped the microphone and it broke. That's because a student wanted to grab a microphone and worship and lead people. Kids are going to make messes. One of our volunteers last week was serving in the nursery and some wonderful child threw up just love, all kinds of love, just threw up love all over, all over, three times all over our volunteer. And it was gross, and I'm sure she wasn't smiling at, the, at that moment, but she smiles about it today. A church with a real life-giving spirit of Jesus has got to have children. It's got to have students. But if we're not careful, we get older, we get older, our kids get older, and there's no kids behind those kids, and we don't even realize it, but we, our attitude and our mentality and our posture and our tone is not the kind of place that welcomes and makes room for children. And, and I've shared this stat with you before, but you know, 94% of Christians who grew up in Christian environments make a decision to follow Jesus before they're 18. 94%. Now, those, that, is, that is for kids who grow up in a Christian environment. That's not true for many of you. Your story is not that way because you did not grow up in a Christian environment. But of those who grow up in a Christian environment, 43% of those 94% I just mentioned, they make the decision before they're 13 years old. Here's the point. The point is, is that the most crucial time for someone to be making a decision to find out who Jesus is and what Jesus did and to make a decision to follow Jesus and to build the church is from birth to 13, maybe potentially 18 years old. Birth to graduating high school is a crucial time for spiritual development, and that's why we make it a priority for our church. I've already mentioned to you that we're going to be in this building for the next several months, and then in the fall we're going to make a, 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 a sizable investment, somewhere probably $2 million-ish, to, to make this building into the place that we need to grow and, and to reach more people. And as we have been working on that for many, many months, and really going back several years, but once, you know, here in the last few weeks, as we've known, you know, the canvas we were working with, we have doubled down on our priority to make sure that at the top of the list is the space for the kids. The space for the kids. Our first meeting with our contractor, he, they pulled up the blueprints on the screen. And I think, and I, I can't, I'm paraphrasing, but I think the words out of my, my mouth were, Rodney, you see all of that on the left side? Yeah, we're just going to give all that to the kids. What can you do with that? How many walls can we knock down? How high can the ceilings go? What can we do? And so we want to figure out how to take this entire left side, my right, your left side of the building where our kids hall is already at, but to do even more with it, to create a state-of-the-art kids facility. And we're working to make financial investments into the staffing of our kids and students. Because we can't say we want to be more like Jesus, but we don't want kids around. Or we just want to put them over there. Or let's just let them make do with what they've got. We can't do that. We can't do that. So we want to give them our best resources, our best energy, 
our best effort. And so just to get incredibly practical for you today, I want to give you three ways that you can make room for children at Hope City Church. Are you ready? Write these down. Here we go. Number one. Number one. The first way that you can make room for children at Hope City Church is to be the kind of church member who loves and encourages kids, not scolds or criticizes them. Let me say it again. Be the kind of church member who loves and encourages kids, not scolds and criticizes them. And it's so easy to do. I get it. I get it. We're going to spend all this money on our new facility. And can I tell you what's going to happen like the first week? Some kid's going to spill something. Probably my kid. Somebody's going to put a hole in a wall. Somebody's going to mess up something. And in that moment, everything inside of us is going to be like, what are you doing? Do you know how much that costs? Which they don't. They're going to spill drink or food or something on the carpet, and it will be easy to forget that they're the reason we put the carpet in. And I'm not talking about not having rules, of course. You've got to have some rules. I'm talking about being the kind of church that our kids love coming to because we're the kind of people they enjoy being around. Because you laugh with them and you joke with them. And, and I know it's a different day, but in my day, it, you always found the adults with the peppermints in their pocket. <laughs> you knew who had the peppermints, you know, and you just kind of hang around them. You know, you just walk around the lobby just waiting. And they'd reach in their pocket and they'd pull out the peppermints or what was the, what, what was the butterscotch? Oh, my God. And they would reach in there and they'd pull out the butterscotch. And, man... I don't know if they love Jesus, but, I mean, I just want to be like them. I just want to be near them. I just, just the peppermints and the butterscotch. It's just an attitude that when I got up this morning, I put some candy in my pocket because I knew kids were going to be wanting some candy. So that's first. That's something that everyone can do. You can be the kind of church member who loves and encourages kids, not scolds or criticizes them. But the second thing that you could potentially do is some of you, many of you could take a step today and decide to volunteer in our kids and student ministry. Now that I think about it, probably shouldn't have told that throw-up story. <laughs> but some of you, many of you need to decide to volunteer in our kids and student ministry. Children's ministry is always the area where we need the most help, and I get it. You have kids, you've been with them all week, you don't necessarily want to be in there. You're a teacher at a school, you've been working at your job all week, you don't want to be in there. Your kids have already grown up and gotten out of the house and you've paid your dues and you don't want to, you know, you were in there, but you don't want to be in there anymore. I get it. But so many of you have the gifts and most importantly, the patience to work with kids and students and we need you. We need you. We're launching two services next week and our kids' department is so excited about that because it allows the workers who have been working these last three weeks to actually be in service and not just working. But if I could be completely honest with you, just to share my heart with you, we, we need everybody who would be willing to volunteer, but we really need men. We really need men that are willing to serve in our children's ministry. And listen, God bless our women. We couldn't do it without you. We have to have you. But we also need godly, manly examples 
in our children's mind. I've got two boys back there right now, and they love their teachers. Natalie does an amazing job, Miss Doris, and all the workers back there. They love their teachers. But they, they, they don't, when they look up front, they don't see any, any men or, 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 or older guys who are leading them and showing and modeling for them that you can love Jesus, be cool, maybe muscular, fun, and like to hang around kids. And so maybe today, as I'm talking, I'm, I'm throwing this net out to everybody, but especially to the men in the room who would say, I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't know that I feel called to it. I don't know if I feel burned, but if you need me, I'll do it. And you don't have to teach. Matter of fact, the kids' department told me to make sure to let you know you don't have to teach. We just need your help. You want to teach? We can, you can do that. But we just need your help. And so one of the ways that you can do that, the best way for you to take that step today, if you're here and you would say, I'd be willing. Some of you have served before, but you got out. You needed to heal and you needed to rest up. That was like seven years ago. I'm hoping you're ready. You're back. And, and so, like, we want you to jump back in, okay? We hope you've healed. Um, jump back in. So here's what you can do. Just text the word serve. They're going to put it up on the screen, I think. Text the word serve to our church number, 502-754-3212. I'm going to wait because it's very important. There it is. Text the word serve, 502-754-3212. It's just going to ask for your name. And the, and the way we can contact you, and then our kids' department is going to reach out to you just to see how often you'd be willing and what you could do, what you'd be interested in doing. And this is a, this is a way that we make space for kids. I think we had about 60 kids here last week. That is a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity, okay? All right, so that's number two. Let me give you one more. Just be the kind of church member. Maybe you could take the step and then serve. But the, there's one more way that you can help us make space for kids and help them make that crucial step in their spiritual development. And that is some of you will feel led today and you can sponsor a student to go to summer camp. Our prayer this year is that we'll be able to take 50 students to summer camp. That would be a record. We've never taken 50 before. But it's not cheap. I don't know the last time you went to summer camp, but if it was when you were a kid, it's way more expensive now, okay? Way more expensive now. We have lots of families with multiple kids. We have lots of students who come whose parents do not come to church. They cannot afford to pay their way. But listen, we believe in summer camp. Not only did me and my wife meet at summer camp, come on, but we believe in the bus ride up there, God is moving, and in the dormitories, God is moving, and in the services, God is moving, and in the altar time, God is moving, and in fun time and swim time, God is moving. Powerful things happen at summer camp. And so we need help sending some kids to go because they can't all afford, they can't all afford to go. And so when you give, if that's something you're interested in doing, there's two ways you could do that. You, could, you can just write summer camp on your check if you use check, and you can drop it in any of our giving boxes, just put summer camp on there, and we'll put it towards that. Or so many of you, most of you, give through the app, or you give online, you can just choose the little drop-down keyword that says camp, okay? You can also, if you text to give, you can text the keyword camp, but most of you use the app now. So just put it on your check, or, or you can put it um, as the drop-down choice, okay? And so I know that's like way down in the weeds, and that's way practical, and Jesus was kind of philosophically talking about children. But I just wanted to, to share my heart with you that at Hope City, there are some real like tangible ways that you can actually do this and make room 
for children and bless children. Be the kind of church member who's encouraging and supportive and fun. Sign up to serve and maybe sponsor a kid to go to camp, okay? We can't say we want to be like Jesus and not bless children. Can't do it. You can't do it. Let me talk about one more thing Jesus said. The second thing Jesus said is we got to protect children. We got to protect children. And in this particular instance, Jesus is not really talking about physical or sexual violence, even though I think that would be a that would be obviously something we could talk about. But in this context, the the Jewish people kind of they wouldn't have any, there was no real idea of like children's innocence back then historically. So Jesus wasn't necessarily saying protect them from a lot of the things culturally that we're trying to protect them from today. In this instance, Jesus is talking about protecting children from following bad spiritual examples. And even more specifically, Jesus is talking about the religious leaders who lead children away, causing them to stumble, causing them to fall. So I want you to hear this. So Jesus is saying to them, that, you know, when he says it would be better for you to, to have a millstone tied around your neck, he is specifically, historically, in this moment, he's talking to people who would potentially lead kids away from Jesus while under the guise of being a religious spiritual leader. And that's kind of scary to think about, quite honestly. It's scary to think that we could claim and believe that we are ministering to children while actually leading them away from Jesus Christ. And so I've given you a ton of lists today, but I, as I was working on this sermon this week, I was just thinking of all kinds of really little practical examples as a parent and as a member of this church. And so how can we protect our kids from being led away from Jesus I want to give you five ways. I think you can do this immediately. I told you I got lots of lists. Five ways that you and I can protect our kids from becoming religious but not actually having a relationship with Jesus. Five ways we can protect our kids from being led away from Jesus. You ready? Here we go. Number one, I think it's very important that you and I talk about our faith. We talk about our faith. We don't just talk about God. We don't just talk about right and wrong. We don't just talk about the world. We don't just get on to people when they do bad things, but we actually talk about our faith, what we're believing. We, 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 we talk about, you know, believing in Jesus. And we'll talk about this in just a second. Matter of fact, we'll go and throw it up there. Secondly, I think we could admit our struggles. And this kind of goes hand in hand. But I think it's really important that we admit our struggles, that as we are talking about our faith, we also talk about age-appropriately ways that we are struggling to actually keep our faith. It feels odd to do that as an adult or as a parent or as a teacher or as a church member. But as kids get older, there is something very helpful and comforting when they know that the people that they hold up as their spiritual examples also struggle. They also doubt. They also lose sight of what's most important at times. And so when I say admit our struggles, I don't mean like confess to children, of course. But I've told this story many times. I remember 
it was a defining moment for me. I was a teenager. I was about 13 or 14 years old, and I was in a youth group, and, and it was a, everybody was getting saved in that particular season. I didn't really want to get saved. I was having fun, you know, not being a Christian. And, but everybody was getting saved, and so, you know, God got a hold of my heart, and I remember you know, I got saved. And this was back in the day, and a lot of you won't even know what I'm talking about, but some of you will. This was back in the day where we would have these services where everybody would bring all their bad stuff, and we'd burn it. Okay, so they would get this big like trash can fire and then you would bring all your secular CDs and your cigarettes and all your, you know, DVDs and all this stuff. Sounds funny now, but man, we were passionate back then about it. And I've told this story many times, but I remember that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm serving God and I was like, man, what could I burn? And the first thing that came to my mind was the Boys to Men CD. Because there were songs on there about sex. And so, and I just thought, man, I got to, I, I want to follow Jesus. I'm not going to listen to Boys to Men. And I remember I brought, I brought that CD, the two album, the best one. I brought that CD and I threw it in the fire, man. And I remember my youth leaders were like so proud of me and they were like just so excited. And like two weeks later, I got, I was riding after church to, uh, to like Wendy's or something, the youth group was going out to eat. And I rode with one of my youth leaders and I lifted up the middle console and guess what I saw? <laughs> Boys to men, A, B, C. I mean, just, I, and there was something, listen, I was like 13 or 14, but to this day, I can remember what I was feeling like, wait a second, I burned my CDs. Now as an adult, there's so much I could say to that 13-year-old kid. Everybody don't have to burn their boys to men's CDs. I probably didn't have to burn my boys to men's CD. But there was something in that moment for me where like a trust was broken. There was like a cynicism, an innocence that was lost in a way. Because it was the first time I began to realize that the people that I looked up to had their own struggles. Not that boys to men's a struggle, but you understand my point. There was something that happened in that moment. And so I think it's important that we are able to talk about our struggles. And one of the ways I've been doing this with my daughter, who's, who's a teenager now in, in high school, is when she begins to talk about some of the things and, she, and she's guarding against, you know, this moralistic kind of, and she'll say to me like, and I, I mean, I know, Dad, I shouldn't do that. I know, Dad, I shouldn't feel that way. I mean, I know, Dad. And what I've tried to start doing, and by no means am I perfect at all, struggle all the time with this, but what I've tried to start doing is like, hey, listen, I, I know what that feels like. I struggle with that all the time too. I know what that feels like. Man, that's something that, you know, the reason you struggle with that is because that's something that I really struggle with. And that's something that Papa Bill has always struggled with. I just want her to know, like, you're not going to get older one day and then wake up and not have struggles anymore. That's why we need Jesus. All right, I'm running out of time. Let me go. Number three, make sure your family is consistently in church. And this is where I sound like an old curmudgeon. And my kids play sports. They're on multiple teams. Matter of fact, my daughter's in Indianapolis at a tournament right now. But without a doubt, undeniably, the best place for your children to develop a relationship with Jesus Christ is in church. Can he reach them and will they be committed to Christ outside of church? Of course he can. He can do whatever he wants. But there's something about being in church, knowing that this is a priority for our family, 
And that even in seasons where I don't care about Jesus and I don't want to go and I roll my eyes at my parents and they wake me up and I yell at them and they, you know, throw me in the car and they make me come and I'm mad about it, still being there, there's something that happens. There's something in the air. The Spirit of God is still moving. And nobody's saying you got to be in church every time the doors are open. But do our children know that missing church is the exception, not the rule? That as we're planning our calendar, and as, like, they know that, like, yes, loving Jesus and attending church are two different things, but people who love Jesus are a part of a church family. Do they know that? Do they know that? And so, parents, I get it. It's hard. you got to make tough decisions sometimes. But, but I think we got to be sure to get our family consistently in church. Number four, let me say this. Pray out loud in front of your children. Pray out loud in front of your children. I struggle so much with this. I'm so self-conscious about my prayers. But I think it's very important that our kids hear what it sounds like for a normal person to pray. Not a pastor all the time or a preacher all the time or, you know, in these formal settings. But they know that, like, people, it's normal to pray at home in the morning. It's normal to pray before our meals. It's normal to pray at night. And, and because I'm so self-conscious about my prayers, we just started using a prayer book with our family, and we made a rule. When we're home together at night at 8.30, which is not every night because of practices and different things, but if we're all together at 8.30, three, three or so nights a week, we're going to turn off the electronics, put them up, we're going to come to the living room, we're going to use this simple little prayer book, and we're going to do this together. And it's just something to try to teach the kids that, like, hey, this is what Christians do. This is what we do. We, we pray. We pray together out loud. Let me give you one more, and we're going to wrap this up. We want to protect our children from becoming religious but not actually having a relationship with Jesus. We have to model that the Bible applies to every area of our lives, not just church. Man, this is so easy to do. That we compartmentalize our life. And it's like this is the religious talk and then this is real life. This is church life and then this is normal life. One of the best things that you can do is when you're wrestling with paying the bills. Or when you're wrestling with something at work. Or when you're wrestling with having a bad attitude while you're watching their sports game. Or when you're wrestling with all of these things. Is you can talk about it in a way that's like this is also part of my faith. Figuring out how to manage money is part of my faith. Figuring out how to keep a good attitude is part of my faith. Figuring out or working to provide for my family, this is part of my faith. Having a good attitude when I'm asked to do things that I don't want to do. The reason that that matters is because of my faith in Jesus Christ. So we don't just read the Bible and pray when we're at church. We also try to live out the truth of God and the truth of Christianity in everyday life. And so we want to talk about that. Is it awkward? Yeah. Will you mess it up? Yeah. Will you stumble over your words and say stuff and confuse your kids? Yes, you will. But it doesn't matter. They are just witnessing what it looks like for an ordinary person to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That faith is not some you know, um, odd thing or it's not some um, uh, extravagant thing. It just looks like you. It just looks like me. It just looks like Tuesday. It just looks like Friday. It just looks like Sunday. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And it's crazy to consider, but we can be really good, moral people and actually do harm to our kids because they never understand who Jesus is or why we need him. 
And I've said this to you many times in sermons, but I want to just say this again. We don't mean to do it. It's never our intention to do it. But if we're not careful, we will work so hard to try to raise kids who don't need Jesus. And I'm not saying we need to mess them up so they have a testimony. But I am saying that, like, you got to talk about why we need a Savior. And if, and if all we teach them is, like, don't mess up, 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 then they, they don't know why we need a Savior. Instead of saying, hey, what happened there? That's why we need Jesus. The reason you feel shame, that's why we need Jesus. Instead of trying to raise kids that don't need Jesus. Don't need Jesus. That's crazy to consider. But we could all do our best to try to be good people and never actually talk to our children about Jesus and who he is and why we need him. And so I know I've thrown a lot of information at you and a lot of lists. But I just, I, I felt it was important. If we're going to talk about what was important to Jesus, I felt like we had to at least take one week to be reminded as members of this church, but also as parents and as un uncles and aunts and grandparents and friends, godparents, to be reminded that part of our faith is making sure that we carve out the space and, and have the intentionality of blessing our children, passing on our faith to them. All right? And so I'm going to pray for us. And uh, you're going to have the opportunity to take communion. And I said this last week, but I want to say it to you again because I know we're still getting adjusted to the new space. There's going to be a table here and there's going to be a table here. And if you, wherever you're sitting, if you'll just kind of get to these aisles right here, there'll be an usher up here to help you and kind of direct you. But that's the best traffic flow way for us to do communion. We're figuring it out. There'll also be prayer volunteers up here who would love to pray with you. Maybe you're a parent, an aunt or an uncle a grandparent, a godparent, maybe you're just a church member who says, you know what, God has spoken to my heart today and I do feel burdened, I do I feel convicted. I want to bless kids, I wanna bless the children, I wanna reach the children. Maybe we could pray about that or anything else that's going on in our lives. But as you come forward today, if you'd like to take communion and you take that bread and you dip it in that juice, I want you to remember, as crazy as it sounds, as easy as it is to forget, I want you to remember that Jesus did not just come for adults. We forget that sometimes. That Jesus didn't just come for adults. He came for children too. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. God, when you decided to send your son to the world, when you decided to become flesh, you did it by becoming a child. And God, thank you for doing that. Thank you for sending Jesus to make a way for me to have a savior, for me to have a relationship with God. And God, I pray that every person in this room, every person who will listen to this message later, I pray that in this moment, the Holy Spirit would just remind us with kindness and gentleness the Holy Spirit would remind us of how much you love kids and students. And God, I believe that if we will open our hearts to that, we will prioritize that. We'll spend our effort and our resources and our energy on that. God, I believe that you will send as many as we can possibly handle 
to meet you, to commit their life to you. And so God, help this to be, help us at Hope City Church and help us as parents and individuals to be the kind of people who prioritize and bless children. In Jesus' name we pray.